This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is Up in the Rafters, where I'm joined by Carolina basketball legend in 2017 national champion Justin Jackson. Justin, we're recording this for the people on Thursday, September 15th. People are listening or watching this on Friday, September 16th. And for the earliest time in recent memory after one game, I'm going to declare it the Cowboys season. It's officially over. Wow. <laughs> that's that's the way to start the podcast, huh? Just should we hit hold them where it hurts? Should, where it hurts. <laughs> should we hold a moment of silence? Do you have anything you'd like to say? Dak is out. It's Cooper Look, Rush. This is what I'm Don't ever count us out. Don't ever count us out. America's team always comes in. Always. We might not win in the playoffs, but we're, we're going to make a run <laughs> sooner or later. So don't count us out. And to to break the, the fourth wall for some people, um, me, Justin, Kenny Williams, and Brandon Robinson, we have a, a Madden franchise. As a successful Madden GM in your own right, if you're Jerry Jones, what are you doing to try to fix this Cowboy team? There's a lot. There is a lot. Uh, at me personally, if I'm Jerry Jones, I have to step away a little bit. Me personally. Like I, I got to delegate things to other people that I trust and believe can make the right decisions. I feel like sometimes people who are kind of high up in organizations can kind of get in the way a little bit. Um, but there's a lot of offensively, man, they need some wide receivers. Um, obviously now we got to go with Cooper rush, which I think he's going to be okay, but he's definitely not Dak. Um, so there's, there's a lot of holes we got to try to plug in this boat before we sink. So we got to figure it out. The, the one benefit we have as, as Matt and GMs, we, we were able to turn injuries off, which is <laughs> yeah. a huge benefit. Exactly. We didn't have to worry week in and week out whether our star quarterbacks or anybody would still be there. So, yeah, yeah, our 53 is our 53 for the entire season. Exactly. Exactly. Backups are not even a thing. (laughs) Getting to UNC, it was announced that live action with Carolina basketball would be September 30th. What did you think of the name change from late night? to live action to give something more unique to HD. Yeah. I mean, I think um, for one, like late night, that was, that was coach Williams thing, right? Like that's late night with Roy every single year. That's when you got to come and see the team, see coach Williams speak, all that kind of stuff. Um, what's funny is live action coach, 
Coach Davis uses that literally all the time. Like that's probably his biggest phrase that he uses. So to see them change to that and kind of, like you said, use something that's obviously um, something that Coach Davis loves to say and kind of really believes in. Um, I love that move. I love that change. And obviously it shows that, you know, hopefully Coach Davis is around for a while. From your days as a player, what did you look forward to the most about your late night experiences? Um, it just kind of changed from year to year. My freshman year, it was just cool to get out there and play in front of some fans. Um, up to that point, I mean, you played pickup, you had workouts, um, you might have had like a couple practices before that, but it was like the first time for you to get out there and play in the Dean Dome in front of um, other fans. So that was probably the coolest thing. Honestly, I wasn't a big, like, the whole dances and skits and stuff, that really wasn't my my thing. Um, but then as the years went on, like, the older you got, it was just kind of cool to, you know, run out the tunnel again, um, kind of hear the fans go crazy, that kind of stuff. So it just kind of changes, you know, as the years go on. I was going to ask, what did you like the least? Was it the dancing? <laughs> the dancing I, I liked the least about, which was crazy is probably most of the players would say that, but the fans, for some reason, probably loved that the most. Like, I will never forget when, I think it was Kennedy, my, was that my freshman year maybe? And they were doing the skit where he was singing and he started singing Whitney Houston and the fans went absolutely bananas when he started <laughs> Um, and like the fans just love it. So it's cool for the fans to be able to come on and see kind of that side of things with the players. Yeah. I feel like something that people don't think about when it comes to late night is like, you guys already have, uh, a ton of responsibilities on your plate with schoolwork, with practices, with the, the tutoring, a lot of, uh, adjustment. And then what, what was the schedule like when, when you have to go, throughout your day and then you have dance practice yeah <laughs> I don't know I don't know how they do it now but I don't think we had the the best usage of our time when when I was at school um like you said we would go throughout the whole day whatever our schedule was classes lifting whether we had pickup or practice or whatever that day and then we would have late night like dance practice at like 10 like the whole week before late night, like every single night. And it was like by 10 o'clock, guys were dead. Either they had to study for something or they were just ready to be done. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we were very smart in how we, you know, planned out our, um, you know, practices and things like that. But, yeah, do what you got to do, you know. On Tuesday, the full UNC basketball schedule was released what were your biggest takeaways? What stretches or, or games kind of stick out to you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you look at kind of from the beginning of Phil Knight until that Pittsburgh game, um, I guess on, what, December 30th, um, that's a tough little stretch of games, bro. Like, that's, that's some good high-level basketball they're going to be playing. Obviously, it's going to be cool for them to play in, you know, the Phil Knight tournament again and – be able to play against Ohio State and Michigan and stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, you throw in there, you got to go to Indiana, which for me was the hardest away game I've ever had, um, you know, I, I had while I was at North Carolina. Um, but then you start off with, you know, Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, which obviously Georgia Tech is that game that still haunts me to this day. Um, and then Virginia Tech isn't a slouch, you know. So it's like 
that's a tough stretch of games. If you get through that and you, you know, you come out on top kind of through that stretch of games, I think you set yourself up well going into ACC play. Yeah, the two uh, I made a note of three things. One, it's the the home and home with Virginia, North Carolina. <laughs> Virginia is always a, a tough place to go. I think the national championship kind of distracts from the the loss that year at Virginia, where it was a fight to get to what what was it like 40, 50 points? It was like the lowest scoring game. <laughs> ever in ACC history. Yeah, so yeah. going to at Virginia is is always going to be tough, and you'd expect Tony Bennett to have a, a pretty good team this year um, with some of the talent that they have returning. Uh, the closing stretch where you go at NC State, at Notre Dame, where Carolina has struggled recently too, you have a home game against Virginia, you go at Florida State, and then you have your senior day, of course, with Duke coming to Chapel Hill, which is going to be uh, a big stretch where this team is getting ready for the ACC tournament and uh, postseason play, and you kind of get a sense of what the team is going to be then and hopefully rounding into shape kind of like your teams at Carolina where Roy Williams always had you guys playing your best basketball late in the season. And then with with all the conference realignment talk, is is this a a Big Ten preview? You, You could see Michigan State in the Phil Knight tournament and then you go at Indiana, you have Ohio State in New York at, at the Garden, and then your next game after playing Ohio State is their biggest rival, and you play Michigan in Charlotte. So um, uh, Adam Smith from Inside Carolina said it best, where after this Carolina basketball season, Heber Davis could give a, a great scouting report on almost every Big Ten contender. Um, but if, if – I said you could have a ticket to one game on this schedule for UNC. The disclaimer, no Duke games. I feel like that would be an easy out yeah. for you. If if you could go to one game, home, away, or one of these neutral games, is is there one that kind of sticks out? Me personally, it would be the Indiana game. Um, I'm not totally sure how good Indiana is. I know they've – I know they're – supposed to be pretty good going this year. I know they've got a player that's, you know, supposed to be kind of in the player of the year type preseason running. Um, But the environment there at Indiana is the loudest environment that I think I've ever played in. Um, And so I think going into that type of game and being able to sit there and watch that game, obviously the quality of basketball is one thing, but then to see how North Carolina is able to respond, you know, with that type of environment, um, I think that would be a pretty dope game to go to if I had to pick one on that schedule. Yeah, and the at Indiana, it's that's what college basketball is really about, going to places like Assembly Hall, going to places um, like Kansas or, or like Cameron Indoor, where it's like once once you get all those students around, it, it, it has a way of evening out uh, some of the talent discrepancies that you see. Uh, but for me, if I was picking – I'm biased. I'm, I'm going to the Garden, seeing Carolina versus Ohio State, the R.J. Davis homecoming game. Uh, my early prediction for that, nobody hold me to it. R.J. Davis has a, a Baylor-type game, 30-plus points in his return, uh, and carries North Carolina to a win. N- no bias there Okay. <laughs> that sounds like the complete opposite of no bias. bias. <laughs> But it's also December 17th, you know, Christmas time in the city. 
for for the fans that are looking for things outside of basketball you know you can't you can't beat new york city in christmas time but uh the last topic before we get to the mailbag from the inside carolina premium subscribers is a light one a pair of michael jordan's game worn and signed sneakers from the 81 82 unc season sold for $120,000 at an online auction where 50% of the proceeds are going back to the UNC basketball program. When you see something like this going for, for low six figures, what's, what's your thoughts on, on somebody getting 120000 for some MJ shoes? To be honest, I'm, that sounds low for something of that level. Um, I mean – so they were his. They were his game worn shoes, given to and, a team manager. Yep. Yeah. So I would have expected way more, to be honest. Um, but I think it's cool for one. It, it's fifty percent of it's going back to UNC. Um, put a little bit more money back into that into that program. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised it only went for one twenty. To be honest, I mean, you go online for any kind of Jordans like to just wear like they're crazy amounts now so um i think whoever ended up getting that through that auction i think they got a low-key got a deal for them yeah my my two thoughts when i first saw this is one anytime i ever see this i just always think how much money does somebody have where they could just drop one hundred and twenty thousand dollars on 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 sneakers that they're not going to wear they're going to have displayed somewhere uh so that disconnect from from reality is always the the most striking thing to me and the second is i guess it's kind of connected if i buy these sneakers the only way i'm buying these sneakers is if it makes me like calvin cambridge from like mike (laughs) (laughs) if i put these i'm gonna if i buy these sneakers for six figures i'm putting them on i'm lacing them up i'm saying make me like mike and if I take off and I can't dunk, we're, we're, back. we're putting them. It. We're putting them back on it on the auction. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, one hundred twenty thousand. That's that is a lot of money just to just spend on some shoes. That after honestly, after you buy that, you're gonna put them up in a case, and you're really not gonna even think about them after that moment. To yeah. be honest, so it's like it's just kind of throwaway good, money. Yeah just a conversation starter at that point yeah it's like you know what yeah, if you have a dinner guest over hey what shoes are right oh, michael yeah. jordan's i got him at an auction you know yada 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 all right what's for dinner you know that kind of deal <laughs> like yeah that's that is insane what do you think the the best memorabilia that you have from from your playing days in chapel hill is do we have anything that's pushing six figures no shot. Six figures. There's no way. I don't think anybody on my team had anything pushing six figures. Uh, but I mean, there are some fanatics out there, man. Like there are some people that like bleed North Carolina blue. Like they will do anything they can to get their hands on a towel from the final four, you yeah. know? So I don't know. I've never really looked into it to be honest. Um, but I probably have some stuff that I could I could sell for a decent amount of money, but six figures, there's, there's no way. There's no I was, way I that. yeah, I was thinking a shadow box, the national championship jersey, the piece of the net, sure, 
and the shoes. If if we sign them all, maybe you do a meet and greet too. Six figures. And instead of 50% back to the program, 50% is coming back to me because it was my I idea. knew it. <laughs> I was going to back to you. That was going to help. Oh, my goodness. I, still don't even, I don't even think that would go for six figures, though, bro. For one, I'm not doing 50% back to you. There's no way. But I don't even think that – like six figures is a lot of money, yeah. bro. A it's, lot of money. Yeah. It, it would be something where – also – 2017 was so recent that, you know, we, we need to let it age a bit. That is true. That is true. Give about 10, 15 years. Yeah. Be all right. Yeah. Uh, the first question I have from the Inside Carolina message boards uh, is from Word by Nature. He said, from what Justin has experienced and observed in his three years in the UNC basketball program, as well as his time in the NBA do you feel that the UNC basketball fraternity of players is distinctively stronger than most college basketball programs? And if so, have you seen any college basketball programs whose fraternity of players is comparably as strong as Carolina's? It just kind of depends. I mean, I, I would say like my first initial reaction would be yes. Um, but that's because I'm in the North Carolina kind of, you know, fraternity or brotherhood, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, I mean, there are some other schools that have pretty strong, you know, as much as, you know, fans don't want to admit it, Duke has a has a pretty good as far as, like, you know, guys who have gone to the league or gone off and played professionally who, like, are still really close. Kentucky, even though they have a ton, a ton of one-and-dones, like, everybody from Kentucky kind of knows each other. Um but when it comes to like, you know, people staying in touch and like people going to people's weddings and, you know, hanging out in the summer and that kind of stuff, it seems like North Carolina kind of has the, the best um, and closest knit family um, there is around. So I guess I would say, yeah, North Carolina definitely is definitely a different level. What what is that bond like for for you guys as players to where, you know, you you've never met or talked to somebody like Vince Carter or Antoine Jameson until you actually meet them. And then you guys do have that, that connection with UNC in your time in Chapel Hill. Um, I mean, I will say, you know, obviously everybody, everybody's different. Like each individual person is different. Um, but coach Williams kind of during my time and just kind of throughout his years, he, he almost recruited kind of the same people when it came to like, mindsets and how they were with other people I guess I would say you know obviously you have your outliers here and there but um you know when it comes to guys that went to UNC they're all good guys you know guys that you can maybe you haven't met like you said maybe you haven't met or you haven't seen in a while that you can sit down and start rapping with them and it's like you had been friends for the past five years you know so I think it just kind of go comes down to like who the coaches recruit um the kind of people they are um, and then too, just having that thing in common, like you said, Vince was my bet when I first got drafted to Sacramento and I had never met Vince, obviously, you know, I looked up to him cause he's one of the greatest basketball players ever, but I had never met him. And, um, when I first met him and talked to him for the first time, it was as if we had, you know, been cool for a while. So I think it's just a matter of how good the people are. Um, and then just having that common, you know, that common thing that you can, you know, talk about or kind of start a conversation and kind of keep things going. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, that, that is pretty cool to think about having, you know, you, you grow up with the Raptors, Vince Carter jersey. You watch him put his arm through the hoop in the slam dunk <laughs> contest. Um, and then you you have that bond with him over uh, shared experiences playing for Carolina basketball. The next question I have is from Tim Dale three. He says, take us through a typical Roy Williams practice. What do you guys start off with? I'm assuming some kind of form shooting, stretching, thought for the day. What kind of drills would you guys do? What would you end it with? And how did it vary depending on what point of the season you guys were at? Um, yeah, so the beginning of the season and like preseason, the practices were always way longer. You know, those would go on for like two and a half hours or however long you want to go. Um, one thing, and I, I'm sure Coach Davis kind of does the same thing, but Coach Williams always laid out the practice plan literally to the minute. So, like, if we started out – if we started practice at 3.30, we would have form shooting until, like, 3.37. And then we would go into stretching at, you know, from 3.37 to, like, 3.40. Um, and then after that, we would kind of get into, like, we would do our transition drills. Um, we would do, like, 5 on 0. Um, and then we would get kind of into, you know, I guess I would call it, you know, the the big part of practice where it would be like all the competitions, whether it was, you know, five on five, um, maybe it was some sort of other transition drill, but it was, you know, kind of going back and forth a, a little bit. Uh, but it just depended on kind of what, like, like you said, what part of the season it was. The further we got into ACC play, practice would be probably an hour, you know, and it'd be a lot more of five on zero. Oh, uh, maybe we'd have one or two competition plays of five on five, uh, but then it would be just getting shots up, going over offense, off defense concepts, that kind of stuff. Um, but the cool part of it was that he would always give us the practice plan before and we would always know, OK, well, we've got 27 minutes of five on five today or we've got this transition drill that we got to do or whatever. So that was we were able to kind of prepare for practice as opposed to just going into a blind and then we're there for three hours and don't know, you know, when it's supposed to end or whatever. So that helped us out a lot. Cool behind the scenes and great to know that he had something like that planned out to to the exact minute and uh, just <laughs> never wanted to waste even a second of practice knowing how competitive the ACC and uh, it's kind of like we mentioned earlier, why you guys probably always were peaking towards that late part of the season with how exactly. detail oriented he is. Uh, the last question 
I have is from EMT two eight 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 three eights. Aside from the typical crapshoot that is March Madness and random things like injuries, what do you view as the biggest obstacle for this team following the footsteps of the twenty seventeen redemption team? Said another way, what was the biggest challenge your twenty seventeen team faced, and how was it overcome? I mean, the biggest challenge is all the praise that you get kind of going into the next season, to be honest. Um, they are very similar with our team as far as like they've got a lot of the same, basically the same team coming back. Um, and they're already kind of viewed as the number one team in the country. Um, you know, the favorites to kind of make it back to the championship, that kind of deal. Um, so the hardest thing is, for one, you have to block out all of that noise. Right. And you have to focus on who y'all are as a team. And that's that's it. You don't listen to any of the oh these guys are so good or, you know, whatever. Um, but then, too, like guys now they have the biggest target on their back going into each and every game. So, I mean, you look at you look at the schedule and even a game against UNCW. Right. Like when you go into that game, they're looking at you as, OK, these guys were runner-up national champions and everybody's saying they're supposed to be the best team in the whole country. So we're going to go in here and give, what, what do we have to lose? You know? So it's, it's getting over that hump of, okay, we did make it there last year, but it's not going to be easy to make it back. Um, so we have to focus on ourselves each and every day to continue to get better. Cause these other teams are doing the same thing, you know, and they've gone out, they've recruited, they have transfers, all that kind of stuff. So it's just a matter of, blocking out all the extra stuff and focusing on your team, like your teammates, your coaches, um, and trying to make it back there. So hopefully they can, they can do that and just focus on each and every game and each and every practice. Yeah. I love, I love that point about the teams that come in, um, with that target on North Carolina, the teams that have nothing to lose because you look at the early part of the schedule, like UNCW college of Charleston, uh, James Madison, all those schools come in with the thought, like, if we upset North Carolina, this is going to be the lead story across the nation. It's going to be the first thing people talk about on SportsCenter. And, and that's something that's kind of tough to to process, I think, when, when you're in the opposing locker room. And you mentioned blocking out, like, the noise. It, is it something where once you get into the season, it's easier to block out the noise because you have – you know, other things to worry about? Or was that kind of um, something that you felt like you guys had to constantly do in, in the 2017 season when you guys uh, won the title? I mean, everybody handled it differently, to be honest. Um, you know, I know for myself, I got off of, you know, Twitter because Twitter was kind of the main place for like news and stuff like that. I got off of Twitter for a while. Um, I really, to be honest, I don't really remember watching too much like, you know, sports TV, except for like football or maybe other, you know, college games or other games. But like outside of that, I don't remember watching very much sports TV. So like sports center, all that kind of stuff. Um, because the more and more that you watch that stuff, it's going to be impossible to not kind of start feeling yourself, I guess, you know, lack of a better words. Like the more and more that that fills your ears, just like if, you know, people are always saying how terrible you are and how much better you need to get all this kind of stuff. Like we're all human. So all you're going to do is think about that. Um, 
So, I mean, other guys, they kept their social media. They watched TV all the time, and they were able to still block it out. Um, but it's just whatever is best for you, whatever you think is best for you. Um, I know nowadays guys probably aren't going to get off of social media. That's probably not – I mean, you can make money off of social media nowadays, so that's probably not the move. Um, but they just have to find a way to make sure that they're locked in each and every day um, and a day doesn't go by that they just kind of waste away. You know, because at the end of the day, you want to just continue to get better each and every day, whether that's a little bit or a lot. Um, so if they can do that, I think, you know, they'll be right back where they want to be. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this team does at blocking out the noise as they're going to be the preseason number one team. Uh, when people have to make predictions early in the season, they're going to pick North Carolina. One, because of the talent they have coming back. And two, there isn't there isn't really a, a clear cut number two team you look at a team like Houston um, who has kind of flamed out of tournaments in the past you look at a team like Gonzaga I'm done picking Gonzaga in my brackets I I've, I've made that promise to myself after last year no matter how good Gonzaga looks I I cross my heart promise that I will not pick them to win any more titles and until they do. Um, but yeah. And then you have a team like Duke, I guess, who, who's really young and having to replace a lot of pieces. So there isn't that, that natural challenger to the North Carolina team as of yet. Um, so that'll be interesting to see as the season kind of plays out, but that's all we have this week. Justin, appreciate the time, appreciate everybody listening. And we will be back next week to talk more Carolina basketball. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.